Hey, this is Quentin Moore, and I'm the pastor of the Father's House, and this is our podcast. Thanks for joining us today. I hope the message inspires you, gives you faith, and lets you see that God is truly moving in your life. We hope you enjoy today's message. jump right into the word. I'm excited to preach this morning. How many of you have been here the last couple weeks and heard pastor preach on spirit-filled living? Few of you. Okay, well, a few of you came to church. Some of you are here because I at least see you in the hallways. I went back and listened to the sermons. I make it a habit to listen on Monday morning as to what uh, dad's teaching in here, just so that I'm sort of in the same uh, realm of where he's going. And how many of you, man, that, that Holy Ghost, he makes you feel like you're just not real sure. Like if he could just stay like I'm good with God the Father, God the Son, but God the Holy Ghost, hmm. It's not that I don't want him. He just makes me feel uncomfortable. You ever had people in your life and they just make you feel a little uncomfortable, a little too loud? They hang out too long? They don't get the, the cues like, it's time to go, it's time to go home. Right, they just stay a little longer. That's kind of how the Holy Spirit is in our lives. He has this thing about him that He's probably going to speak too loud, stay too long, make you a little uncomfortable, push you out of your comfort zone. And some of us, we've got small understandings of what the Holy Spirit does. I, on the other hand, was raised in weird. So weird is normal for me. I thought everyone was raised with parents who stopped at empty buildings and walked around them and prayed. I thought everybody was raised, and I know you know my dad's weird, which you don't realize how weird my mom is. My mom, I don't know how old I was, but I didn't know how it worked, like when you bought cars. And my mom, we would drive back and forth, and uh, that dealership, it was Laird Noller, I think, and there was a Suburban, a brown and maroon Suburban, and we would drive by that Suburban back and forth to church, and my mom would claim it and say God told her she was going to own that Suburban. And I can remember going to the car dealership lot with her, and I didn't know car dealers, I mean like car salesmen, I didn't, it made no sense, I had no concept of like how their world worked. My mom would talk to the same car salesman, I believe his name was Chris, and she would tell him that God told her how much she was going to spend on that vehicle. And he would just laugh. He'd be like, yeah, that's not happening. I'm sure it was an insane low number. But uh, we were poor. Actually, I like to tell people we were po. We didn't have, we couldn't afford the R. Like, you might get to see my dad today. He does much better. Apparently, getting all of the kids out of his house, he has become wealthier now that he's not paying for all of us. But when we were kids, that, he was real poor. And uh, so he was claiming this vehicle. And I thought everybody did that. I thought everybody just showed up and told people, well, listen, God told me that vehicle was mine, so when you can't sell that vehicle, call me and I'll come pick it up. And they literally would just stand there and laugh. And my mom, four foot, nothing, just turn back around, get in the car and move on. She was unfazed by being laughed out of a parking lot. And sure enough, I can remember the day, it took forever, it felt like forever. I mean, I wasn't very old, I don't know how old I was. Nick wrecked that car, so I would have been in grade school or middle school. Anyways, that's a whole nother sermon. Pray for something and your kid wreck it. That's a whole nother sermon. But anyways, um, the Chris called my mom and said, come get this dadgum vehicle, we can't sell it. Mom said, I'll be there today. And she went and bought that vehicle. I thought that was normal. And she didn't just do that on car dealer. Listen, she did that in the Payless shoe store. She did that in uh, Regis hair salon. She'd go in and barter with these. Nah, I'm not paying $9.99 for a haircut. God told me I could pay five bucks for this haircut, and I'm paying five bucks for this haircut. And I remember just sitting there thinking, oh my God, mom. Now, what I didn't know is they didn't have any money. They had to believe God. I can remember sitting, we weren't very old, and we lived in this pink... Um, like boxcar, 
was the first house we lived in here. It was right beside the old church. And uh, Nick and I thought we had pets. They were mice. Okay, so I was four or five. I wasn't very old, Henley's age. And so I can remember coming home from church. Dad had preached a sermon, and uh, we got in the house, and Dad said, kids, we're going to pray. We had no food in the house. Not an ounce of food. You want to know why this church drop off food at people's house? Because we were these people. <laughs> and so we just sat and started praying, knock on the door. Lady standing there, she's got four bags of food. Walks in and puts it in our house. And that's how we had lunch that day. Everybody that's ever been given to us in our lives, they were given to us at a right time in a right season. See, God will give you gifts, and sometimes it's actual things, and sometimes there'll be people in your life. But see, I thought that was normal. I thought everybody prayed like that. I thought you wrote your prayer requests down, you put them on your mirrors. Like my mom and dad had sticky notes, like all over their mirrors. They still do. If you go to their house, there'll be sticky notes all over it. It's this thing they're believing God for. Oh, is that what Stephanie does now? You weirdo. See, I I knew Stephanie before Stephanie knew she was weird and needed to be in this church. But you can just feel it. You ever like meet somebody and you're like, you're my people. (laughs) I don't even know you, but you're my people. That's how I felt when I met Stephanie. She just didn't know she belonged here. Anyways, like I thought that's what people did. And then I was a freshman in high school, went to a Christian school. And I began to realize that this was not, this wasn't how everyone did things. Your dad didn't close himself in a bedroom for four days and not come out. My my dad did that multiple times. I thought it was normal. I didn't know it was weird. But I had a great grandma who would come to church with a hanky. And she was an American Indian. And so it didn't really sound like tongues. It just sounded like an Indian war chant when she would run up and down the aisles waving her hanky. I thought this was normal. I thought nine-hour services, everyone went to church that way. On Saturday nights, our next-door neighbor, she was Roman Catholic. And so I would go to church with her on Saturday nights. So I knew it was a little different than she'd come to church with me on Sunday morning. I thought it was normal that she just went to any church. It didn't matter what church you went to. I didn't know I wasn't supposed to like them. Nobody had told me Catholics were going to hell yet. Nobody had told me that. I had to go to Christian school and be told, no, Catholics are going to hell. They're not real Christians. That's sarcasm. They they are not going to hell, okay? They're not going to hell. They know Jesus too, just because it looks different than you doesn't mean they're not, okay? But I didn't know that until I go to Christian school and realize this isn't normal. I'd sit in Bible class, and they would talk about how at our church, we would levitate. I was like, no, there's some weird people. They do weird things. There's a lady I called speed bump. She'd come up here and lay down, and she'd roll. I called her speed bump. I didn't actually know her name. That's not nice. Listen, I was 12. The kids are making fun of you when you do weird things up here, too, okay? I didn't know what her name was, but I thought it was odd that when she was in the Holy Spirit, she rolled. But you know, whatever, I would lived in a church that however you wanted to love on Jesus, love on Jesus. I can remember a friend asked me not too long ago, they're like, uh, there's a lady that just, she's gone home to be with Jesus, but she would dance all the way around the room. And uh, she said, why does she do that? And I said, I have absolutely no idea. And she's like, well, is there like some reason why? I said, I, I, I don't know. Have you ever been to a bar? This is why they don't let me do adult stuff, okay? Have you ever been to a bar? Have you ever noticed people at the other table acting like a fool? Has it ever bothered you? Phased you? Have you ever changed bars because the people at the other table are acting like a fool? No, they're living their life, living their best life. I don't care. I just sit over here, do my own thing, right? Well, why do we apply a different theology to church? 
I don't know why they're loving on Jesus that way, but they are happy as little larks loving on Jesus. So that's fine. You don't need to dance around the sanctuary. You don't have to raise your hand, stomp your toe. Love on Jesus however you want to love on Jesus. It ain't nothing to me. You do you, boo, and I'll do me. Is that okay? We don't apply this when we go to Target. I watch people put on clothes and I go, sis, you need a friend or a mirror. (laughs) But that's just the judgmental Heather on the inside of me. That doesn't, they're still dressed. Just because they dress differently doesn't seem, but we seem to live in a culture that if it's different, it's like we're scared of it. It's like we're leery of it. We want to hold it. You feel me? I'm you pray like how? I can remember being asked by kids in my class, you pray in tongues? I haven't tried to use any other body part to pray with. Yes, I use my tongue. What do you use? It wasn't weird to me. I can remember them saying, you guys let snakes out. I'm like, actually, no. I put a dead snake on my mom's table one time when I was in grade school, and she was real mad at me. Um, the one thing my mother's terrified is snakes. So if there's snakes in the church, that actually wouldn't happen. I raised my hand and told this to the Bible teacher. Nope, there's no snakes there. There are weird things happening, but there are no snakes. I haven't seen anyone levitate. See, I didn't know, but all of a sudden the people I was around started telling me that the way I expressed my faith was weird, is different, is odd. And so I started trying to cover it up, hide it. Because see, different seems to make us feel uncomfortable. Have you read the Bible? I got to teach this to kids. Do you know what their faces look like when I get a new kid back in the back? And normally it's a boy. And I'm like, we're going to go do communion. What's communion? And so I'm trying to download this while probably someone's like peeling paint off the walls behind me. All right. These aren't like real, any teachers in the room. It's not, the, uh, the kids didn't read the same books you read when you went to school to be a teacher. Like, they don't sit. They don't stop talking. That's all happening behind. I got this little kid, and I'm telling him, I'm like, well, it's the body and the blood of Jesus. He's like, we're going to eat someone's body and drink their blood. And I'm like, mm, this, is, this is odd. If a 15-year-old girl came in this morning and said, I think I've been impregnated by the Holy Spirit, ain't none of us believe her. <laughs> Not a single one of us. If you came and told me that a burning bush this week told you to take a group of people and go someplace else, I'd look at you and be like, I'm going to call the fourth floor at the hospital. (laughs) This Bible is full of different, weird, and odd. And the experiences I've had is God never seems to say something to me that makes a heck of a lot of sense. In fact, normally if it makes a lot of sense, I figure it's probably not God, it's probably me. Because I put really good plans together. I'm, I'm like a professional planner. I can put steps together with checklists, and it's solid. And for whatever reason, God never really appreciates my plan. He always seems to move in and mess it all up. And I got to tell you, I make solid plans. People should pay me to plan things. I'm really good at it. God doesn't care about my plans. In fact, God normally wants to take what makes sense to us and flip it around just so he can show you that I am God and you're not. So see this spirit-filled loving, if if you don't want to be a little odd, have your classmates go, you do what at your church? Bruce can tell you, we, we did a lot of weird things around here. 
he was like the chief weirdo. <laughs> so whatever, listen, I've been in church a long time. I've known a lot of people a long time. There are some chief weirdos in this church. David said, I'd be willing to be undignified. I'm not encouraging you to go dancing out in the streets in your little birthday suit today. Please keep that for your house. Run around all you want to, Nike, at home. Don't do it down Main Street. It would not be highly recommended. But David went through the streets dancing in his birthday suit and could care less if everyone mocked him because he knew the God that he loved, the God that saved him. He knew he was a sinner. He knew he didn't deserve to have the life he had. But he said, I'll live undignified for the God that I serve. So I'm just going to hear, if you just wanted a pretty message for a Sunday morning to be spirit-filled life, that's, um, God mess it up. Make it real messy. Have you ever um, met a kid? Kids have the ability to really mess up plans too. They like, early. I feel like there's like meetings happening in my house that I don't know about. They're like, okay, so mom said we're going to do this. Here's what we're going to do to make her crazy. And they're like plotting to just mess it up just a little more. It doesn't matter how much you plan to keep it not be a mess. Kids have an ability to mess it up. I think one of the things kids can reveal to us is if you could just, as cliche as this sounds, let go and let God. That you'll give up control. You'll know what spirit-filled living looks like? Less of you. You're not in control. You're not in charge. And the minute you think you're in charge, well, God bless you. I don't want to stand that close to you. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. I'm going to show you two portions of scripture. In Luke chapter 5, <clears throat> we're introduced to a portion of scripture where Christ is preaching to the multitude. I can't find it, so I'm just going to tell you the story. Um, you can check me out. Christ is teaching to the multitudes, and um, he wants to get in the boat. And the owners of the boat aren't there except for Simon, and he says to him, Simon, could we go out a little farther? I think spirit-filled living calls us to push out a little farther, to not stay so close to the shore. You see, the truth of the matter is, though, that God didn't demand it, he asked. Jesus is a gentleman. God will step up into your life and he'll say, you want to come a little deeper? Psalms 42 says, deep cries out to deep. God's beckoning the church today to say, you want to go a little deeper? You want to go a little farther with me? You see, the truth of the matter is, is if I'm in the shallow end, I, I can be in control. If I'm in the shallow end, I can dictate how much God moves in my life. If I'm in the shallow end, I can determine how long I stay at church, how many times I go to church, how I allow him to move in my life, what, I, what I'm going to go do, what I'm not going to go do. But see, spirit-filled living calls you to give up control, to surrender, if you will, to your will and surrender to his will. The most terrifying prayer I think one can pray is not my will, but your will be done. I don't remember ever being terrified praying the Lord's Prayer until I was praying it over an infant they told me that would not live. And I remember standing in the shower thinking, well, God, I know your will is life, but man, it's hard to push those words out of your mouth when doctors are telling you different. That's a scary prayer to pray when your husband's diagnosed with cancer at 35. Your will be done. 
It's scary to push away from the shoreline and say, God, I'm going to trust that you got this. I'm going to trust that your word is true in my life. I can't see it. I can't feel it. See, I've been in the back teaching kids about superheroes and about how there are superheroes in the Bible that when they stepped out, when Esther walked into the king's room, she didn't know how he was going to respond. When David showed up to hit that Goliath, he didn't know how it was going to go down. When Mary answered the call of the angel, she knew she was going to be ridiculed, condemned, called a liar. She had no idea what it was going to look like. You see, this Bible is full of people who believed in the odd, crazy, extreme word of a living God that didn't look like anything around them. It didn't change how they felt. But there was this thing on the inside of them that called them to a deeper reality with who God was. And they simply trusted in that God. And I've been looking at kids in the back saying, there's a superhero that lives on the inside of you. And he'll give you courage to stand up and do what is right and say what was right when no one else wants to stand or say anything. I believe, church, that that is spirit-filled living. Now, I could have brought out um, some capes. We made capes. We were, um, what were we? Super holy sidekicks. You could name yourself. Did your kid come home with a, uh uh-huh, you're welcome. We could do superhero bingo this morning in here. See, I'm a children's pastor, and so for me, kids being able to understand these deep realities of who God is, it's hard for them to understand it My uh, inflatable pool has issues. So about a year ago, I saw this illustrated sermon by a pastor, and I'm not sure what all his points were, but I remember thinking, that's a great illustrated sermon, and it'll work great with kids. You want to keep a kid's attention? One time I put on one of those, like, uh, you know those, like, blow-up things, you know, like, hit each other? I used that as the breastplate of righteousness when I was doing uh, the armor of God. A couple weeks ago, they got to shoot each other with Nerf guns. They'll remember those messages because it makes sense. You see, a lot of us in Christianity today, whether we're so close to the shoreline because I can control it, I started thinking about the different bodies of water that I've been in. I'm not an ocean person. I don't really like sand and all the places it can get. I'm not a big fan of things that can eat me. Sean and I went to the Bahamas one time on a, a cruise um, ship, and um, he wanted to go ride the jet skis, and they're out there, and they'd turn that jet ski, and whoever the rider was would go flying out. And he'd stand there and go, babe, let's go. That'll be so much fun. I said, no, because I'm not going to be the one driving. I'm going to be the one flying into the shark-infested waters. No. Are you trying to kill me? I don't even have life insurance. What are we doing? And then I stepped out, and you know, it's that crystal blue. It's so pretty. It, like, looks in, like, the pictures. And it was right after, and all I can think about is the name. We did this in first service. Crocodile Dundee. That's not his name, but he got hit with the um, stingray thing, and he died. Who was the guy who just talked to all the animals? There you go. So it was right after that happened. And so I'm terrified of stingrays. I don't even know that I knew what a stingray was before here. I went to Christian school, and then I created my own, so I wasn't really smart. But anyway, so we're standing there, and I'm standing about knee-deep in water, and so we're asking the little... Uh, there were some islanders, and I was like, oh, I'm nervous, because what if there's a stingray? Like, oh, no, 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 there aren't any up close. No lie, no lie. One comes up, not far from me, and swims away. 
True or not true, Sean? It was not far. And I was like, okay, so what about that one? (laughs) This is what I am told in this moment. The ones that don't have their stingers anymore come up here, but the ones that have their stingers, they don't come up here anymore. I'm like, oh, did you send all the stingrays like a memo? Let them all know. Sorry, you still have your stinger. You can't swim up here. What are we talking about? No, I'm not getting in that water. It can eat me. I really liked swimming pools. Then I had children that I potty trained. Mm. I'd rather not. Y'all go to Salt City Splash all you want to. I support Hutchinson. I ain't getting in that water. In fact, the last time we got in that water, everyone had to get out because somebody forgot to go to the bathroom before getting in the water, and there were floaties. You're welcome. I told you, you came to Children's Church today. I don't want to be in a swimming pool. That's yucky. I don't want to swim in other people's mess. I'm out. Now, I do like the lake. The lake is my jam. I'm not talking Canopolis, Kansas, Wind Lake, okay? I'm talking bougie, Missouri, like it's calm. Another boat come by, you're almost annoyed because it's like, (laughs) this is like our cove and we're hanging out and I don't want to be like moved around. I just want to float. That's what I want to do. I just want to float and I want you to, and my dad is a little particular about his boat so it can't like get near anything. He really doesn't even like it to get wet. I'm telling you, your pastor's got some OCD issues. That's for another time. I'll start a small group about all of your pastor's issues. <laughs> Anyways, so it, we're in the water, and my dad would do this thing where, like, he would move the, like, he'll move the boat, like, 55 times. And today, sometimes it'll be, because, like, have you ever thrown an anchor in? Not held onto the rope. You know how many anchors we have bought? They're just in the bottom of the lake somewhere. <laughs> or you can't get it back up once you get it hooked. <laughs> That's my dad. He's, he's spent a, quite a large amount of money on anchors. And so sometimes, today now, he doesn't throw them because it hurts his shoulder to like pull them back up. So this is like this really tiny, teeny, tiny anchor. It doesn't really work very well. If Sean's with him, he throws a bigger anchor because Sean will pull it up for him. You know, if you're out there, you can drift. And even while you're just floating and having a good time, you can get so distracted you don't even notice the boat's moved. It's drifted. Now, if you're on Canopolis Lake, you know that boat's moving because everything's moving in Canopolis Lake. A little pond hole thing. I, I don't know how you, you can repaint afterwards for going to a Kansas Lake. But anyways, you know those boats are moving, but if you sit in Table Rock Lake in the right cove when that water's cl- crystal clear, You don't even notice. You'll get distracted by the beauty of everything that's surrounded you. You don't even have to be doing anything naughty. You can just be enjoying life. And that boat will drift on you. You see, we have to be anchored to something. The Bible says that God wants to be the anchor of our souls. It's not enough just to push away from the shore. You got to be anchored to something. You have to know that there's things underneath that water. We talk to the boys all the time about undercurrents and things that are underneath that water that you can't see. But if you will listen and heed the voices of those that are in your life, it'll keep you safe. You see, my concern is a couple years ago, I saw this TikTok video where, uh, and I um, should send this woman a thank you card because she's actually brilliant. But for this um, illustration, it's not brilliant. Um, She made like a, a bougie pink swimming pool for moms. 
So you can put your kids in their nasty little pee infested little things and then you can have your little own one. I think you get them at Target for like $19.99. Mine's not real bougie. But see, a lot of us have decided, I don't really want to be up near the shore. I don't really want to be in the deep. I don't want to be in the water everybody else is playing in because it's yucky. I don't like them. I'm not going to go to church because I don't like them. Some of you all need shirts that just say, I'm not a people person. You just, you just don't like people. That's fine. It's not a church thing. It's not a target thing. You just don't like people. Do you know you're actually supposed to love your neighbor? Anyways, okay. So anyways, this really brilliant mom, she created her own little mommy kiddie pool that she gets to sit in by herself. She gets to put her own toys in there. No one's going to be in there with her. She can pick. And I'm afraid that some of us spiritually have created our own little kiddie pools that we dictate when God can come in and when God can move. And we want to dictate who can come play with us and what toys they can play with us. And so we just want to get in our little kiddie pool and we just want to play in our own little kiddie pool with our own little toys. And if I think like I'm going to like maybe just drown a little bit, I'll use my noodles. And if I don't like my noodles, then I'll use this because this will, this isn't even going to go around me, so I'm not even going to try. I really wanted the ones that go in your hands. Oh, this will work. And so we're like, I, I, can, I can take care of myself. I, if I start to drown, we think, I don't really, I mean, I need Jesus, but I mean, if it comes down to my finances, I'll just work a few more hours, and I'll do this, and I'll do that, and I'll, I, I've got a 401k, because I'm putting all my trust in the things that I can take care of. There's other things I'll trust Jesus in, but now, Jesus, i got a pretty solid plan over here. And yours is okay, but I mean, have you seen mine? It's like color-coded and it's got sticky notes on it. It's fantastic. So if you could like, maybe like your will be done, but like, could you pay attention? There's like a verse about my desires and these are my desires. It's, I've color-coded it for you. And we've become dependent on what I can do. Dependent on how I can keep myself floating who I want to play with. And I'm going to sing on Sunday mornings, unless I don't like you singing. And then I'm just going to stand. And I don't clap because it's not my personality. (laughs) And if I'm a little late, I'm sorry. The music's a little loud and it's a little cold up front. But I posted a really great sermon this week, though. And we're playing kiddie pool Christianity. We want the spirit of the living God to take root in our lives. And the truth of the matter is, we're playing kiddie pool Christianity. Because see, a full surrendered life of God means I have to shake off and throw away all the things that I think will make my life better. And I got to put my trust in a God that's bigger than my kiddie pool and my flotation devices and my political parties and the friends I think I should go with and the church I think I should attend. And I may have to shake off what I think I know and surrender this brain to something bigger than me. Maybe I don't know everything. Shocker alert. We're stunned that maybe... My trust isn't who's sitting in a white house or a blue house. My trust isn't what this person said or that person said. I don't know. I don't know what you should do. I don't know. But what I know is I serve a real life living God. And things looked really bad here too. And things are going to get worse. Let me, this is a massive newsflash. Are you ready for it? The world's going to hell in a handbasket. Any guys worried? About everything going to hell? 
Here's the deal. It is. You want to know why? Because we screwed up. Eve screwed it up. I, the last time I taught, Eve was in the garden. And remember, she had no dishes. She had no laundry. She had no screaming kids at her. She was fine. She had it made. When I get to heaven, her and I, we got to have a talk. And she screwed it up. Yes. People are going to screw it up. Yes. There's dying happening because humanity ruins things that's been happening for a very long time that's not new news that's actually really old news the question is is if I'm a surrendered spirit filled being of the most high God how do I live in the midst of a world that's dying and making choices and going to hell in a handbasket or I'll just go get in my kiddie pool and splash water at you a little bit. Maybe that'll help. I'll sing my three songs. I'm going to come to church like 2.3 times a month because I ain't got time for that. I mean, we're real busy. I don't know if you know. Because my kids need to make sure they're involved in other things. Let me tell you what your kids need. They need to understand that there's a God that regardless of what happens in their life, that I guarantee you they'll face hard things. I guarantee you, the Bible says we will face trials and tribulations, but take heart that there is a God that's bigger than the trials and the tribulations that are facing us today. That if I could just sing until I don't have any more voice, if I don't just make the worship team do it for me, but I come into the house of God singing his praises, not waiting for a worship team to pump me up, but saying, I came to church to worship Jesus. My week was tough. The people I go to work with, they tough. They need Jesus. So I need more of Jesus so that more of Jesus comes out of me into them. Because sometimes what comes out of me, it ain't Jesus. I forgot on Thursday when I posted that one thing, I forgot. I forgot I knew him. Remember, Peter did the same thing. He's like, oh, I don't know him. (laughs) Neat. So just go with me, Galatians chapter five. Paul is writing to the church. He's talking to them about spirit-filled living. I'm gonna read it to you out of the message and throw in some if you haven't read anything in the passion translation I'd encourage you to get it but there's a portion of scripture in here and the reason why he's talking to the church is because there are false teachings happening so let me set the stage for you there's a group of religious people and uh, they've decided to dictate determine the outward expressions of people's lives and whether or not their destiny their future is secured in eternal salvation. It is such a great thing that the church has learned, Cindy, that we don't have to dictate any longer what people's salvation should look like on an outward appearance. I'm so thankful that the church has learned so much in 2,000 years that we don't do that any longer, that we don't judge people's eternity with God based on In this scripture, it's whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised. Apparently, women weren't going to heaven. So I don't know if you know, but I'm not sure how the girls were supposed to do that. So, but luckily, we don't do that anymore as a church. 
We don't dictate, dominate, tell you whether or not the behaviors in your life or the way you choose to worship God will dictate whether or not you make it to heaven. So I realize since the church no longer does that anymore, we don't have to spend a lot of time there. But I just want to tell you that's what Paul was talking to in that day. Was that, hey, I just need to make sure you understand this is a heart issue, not an outward physical thing. God looks at the heart and men. Christ has set us free to live a free life, so stay, take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. The Passion Translation says the bondage of your past. Look at your neighbor and just say, I'm, I'm free from my past. I'm free from my past from five years ago and the one from an hour ago when I was screaming at my kids on the way to church. I am free from my past. No one has to hold me in slavery to the things I've done in my past. I am empathetic about this. The moment any one of you submit to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, that at, the, at, the, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the ways of circumcision trades all the advantages of the free life in Christ for the obligations of the slave life of the law. I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ, fallen out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more, faith expressed through love. Spirit-filled living is love. Spirit-filled living is not whether you talk in tongues, dance on one foot, spin across the front end of the building. It has very little to do with your expression of worship in this room. What it does have to do with is how you love another. The evidence of spirit-filled living is your love. I know. (laughs) It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Everyone gets real nervous when we talk about extreme grace. We serve a God of extreme grace. Grace that covers all things, cleanses all things, throws as far from the left is to the right. Just because you can remember it and your mama and your daddy and your auntie can remember it doesn't mean God remembers it. You are free from sin, shame, and guilt. Amen. So if your thought process keeps trying to keep you shame-filled, shake it off. It's a lie of the enemy. If the people around you keep going, yeah, but, then you need to shake it off and find new friends. Because my Bible says that grace is sufficient for all things. Not the things I think it's sufficient for, not the things I deem appropriate for it to be sufficient for, just all. All. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as yourself. I think one of the things that is one of the biggest issues that is facing most of our culture today. I've told my children for a long time when kids at school are mean to them, it's probably because they have a hurting heart. 
See, it's hard to love other people when you cannot love yourself. So if you stay cycling in your own shame and guilt, the truth of the matter is when I watch people, see, I believe all behaviors communicating something. And most of us want to deal with the temper tantrum of the four-year-old instead of trying to figure out what's got that little guy so sad. Anger is always a secondary emotion. It's always covering something deeper. If you can ever pray and ask God to reveal to you what is that, be willing to have a conversation with someone when they're angry. What you'll find is maybe there's something else there. It's hard to love other people when you can't love yourself. That is an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you will be alienating each other. And where will your precious freedom be then? The Passion Translation says it this way, if you continue to criticize and come against each other over minor issues, you're acting like wild beasts trying to destroy one another. Ephesians chapter 6 will tell you we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and rulers of a dark place. Stop putting faces on things that you're getting angry at. Stop pointing fingers at people and places and parties and preferences and listen to me. There is a war happening against good and evil. We know that. Stop attacking the person. Paul never put a face in this chapter. But Paul spoke to the spirit behind it that said this is trying to divide you. It's trying to turn you from one to another and we turn into beasts ravaging each other versus understanding American church that my freedom is as I love one another. As I don't defend what I want and what my rights are, but when I say what are your rights, how can I help you? How do I take care of someone else? American church, listen up to me. People gave their life so that you had the right. They didn't do it just selfishly for themselves. And we got Americans standing in this country today saying I have a right. You shut your mouth church and listen to me. It is about loving one another. Regardless of what they choose to do here, there, or everywhere. My job is to love you, not judge you. That's not my job. The Bible's very clear about whose job that is. And it's not ours. Ain't nobody going to shut me down now. Okay, verse 16. My counsel is this. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness, for there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit, which is spirit-filled life. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness, these two ways of life are contrary to each other, so that you cannot live at times one way and at other times accordingly, uh, and other times Live how you feel on any given day. You don't get to jump in this kiddie pool and say, I love Jesus today. Yes, I do. Amen. I just love Jesus. And get on Facebook the next minute and post what you think about that person. Those are contrary beliefs. Don't come to me and say, I'm posting truth. No, no, no. The truth is a person. 
And his name is Jesus Christ, son of the living God. And he died on a cross. He didn't get on and post his opinion about somebody else. He died on a cross for selfish individuals, for broken humanity. And he said, I will stretch out myself and I will give myself to you that you have what you do not deserve. Don't stand in one place and do one. Church, we have to let God take control, push away from the shore. Allow his spirit to anchor us to him. The truth of the matter is you'll get it as wrong probably out there as you do in the kiddie pool. The difference is you're anchored to something bigger than you. You won't get it right. It won't be perfect. Because see, I'm being, I was made a new creature, right? The Bible says all things. I have been transformed. And yet, I am being transformed. I have not arrived. I still get too mad at my kids. They make me want Have you ever prayed for something? In fact, I bought this uh, picture from Hobby Lobby. And it says, I have everything I prayed for. Boy, I sure do. I prayed for a husband. And I prayed for children. I remember being single, having a duplex. It was clean all of the time. When I put stuff away, stayed there. If we ran out of peanut butter, I knew it. I wasn't surprised. It was quiet. I thought I was lonely. I thought I wanted more noise in my life. Oh, dear Jesus. Every time I listen to a single person today tell me about how they want husbands and kids, I'm like, oh. I think you do. Just know that that prayer... Mate, it, it's a massive blessing. I make a lot of jokes. I love my life. But there are moments. I have a coffee cup that says, my house is being taken over by an army that I created. <laughs> and they are. There's five boys in my house, not including Sean. It's like a frat house and a WWE wrestling match all happening at the same time. There, it's never quiet. Literally, there's never, like, I just, do you know what I would give for like 30 minutes to be bored again. Bored. When I have someone, they're like, oh my God, my life's so boring. I'm like, "Ah, please tell me. (sighs) I keep telling Lauren, I'm like, you could rent out your basement to moms and they would pay high dollar for an hour to drink out of a cup and not have floaties. (laughs) Go to the bathroom and not have an audience. Listen, I'm going to speak real to you. My kids are a blessing, but they drive me crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't write on your hat. See what I mean? Getting some Jesus, and he's coloring on his hat. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way. The Passion Translation says it this way. Chasing after things instead of God. Manipulating others. Hatred of those who get in your way. Senseless arguments. Resentment when others are favored. Temper tantrums. Angry quarrels. Only thinking of yourself. Being in love with your own opinions. Envious of the blessings of others. Uncontrolled addictions. You see, it is so easy, church, for us to point out what might be wrong in someone else's life. But when you read the list of things that are a self-centered life, man, I get slapped in the face. 
It reminds me that I have to live in a rhythm of repentance because man, there's times when I think I'm right. Really like most of my life, I really think I'm right. In fact, I tell Sean regularly, it would be way better if you just agreed that I was right. Save a lot of headache. It's hard to put down what you think. It's hard to not want to get what you want out of things. But that is kiddie pool Christianity. That is when I have decided that I'm gonna stay in the shallow end because I can still kind of control it and determine. And... But what happens when we live God's way? Verse 22 speaks of the fruits of the Spirit. Tongue talking's not in it. Posted, my opinions aren't in it. The fruits of the Spirit, the evidence of a Spirit-filled life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. How do you live a Spirit-filled life? You surrender your opinions. You get out of a kiddie pool and you submerge yourself in a God that allow his love, his joy. See, they're his, it's him. It's not me. I tell kids all the time, one of their bonus memory verses this last month was Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I, I ask him every week. I said, whose strength is it? God's. See, I don't have to be strong. I actually kind of suck at all of this. Heather Ann Faulkner, she sucks at this. I'm not great at loving. I'm not overly great at being joyful. Self-control, that's not even, like I don't even, that's a good thing that's at the bottom of the list. I haven't even tried, attempted. But see, when I surrender Heather to God, when I simply look at him and I say, Father, Forgive me, for I know not what I have done. Father, I humbly repent, and I ask that you, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me for the things that I have said and the things that I have left unsaid. Father, forgive me for the things that I have done and the things that I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart and I have not loved my neighbor as myself. And so I humbly repent. You see, a rhythm of repentance will remind you of your need for a savior. I don't need a savior in the kiddie pool. I'm not gonna drown in the kiddie pool. Probably won't drown in the shallow end. But see, I need a savior. When I'm out in the deep and the thunder begins to roar at me and I can feel the waves rocking that boat, I need a savior that has me anchored to a hope that the Hebrew writer says is trustworthy because listen, it's a mess out there. It's scary out there. See, I told kids that courage doesn't mean you're not afraid. Courage doesn't change how I feel. I feel scared when the boat is rocking. 
But what I know is I serve a God that's bigger than my fear and his strength will go into action and his love and his joy and his peace, it will take root in my life. And even though everything around me looks a mess, I can put my hope in him. Church spirit-filled living simply means I don't put my hope in me. I don't put my hope in my own safety nets. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know what you should do or not do. But I know a God. And the Bible I read said that in everything, in all things, in prayer and in supplication, I take it before God. And I say, God, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to send my kids in mass or not send my kids in mass. I was willing to send them in hazmat suits, so they went back to school, just so you all know. I didn't care if they wore a Mickey Mouse suit. Them kids were going to school. But I did listen. You think I'm joking. I'm going to be Spider-Man. I don't know whether you should be vaccinated or unvaccinated. I don't know whether you should vote this way or that way. I don't know whether you should go that place or go that place. I know that Cindy right now, when she walks in and says, I've heard from God and God told me to go there. You know what I know? I know she's prayed about it. Because the one evidence that I know of Cindy Lawson, you could ask me, what is she doing in Israel? I don't know. What's she doing in whatever country she's in? I don't know. You should email her and ask her. I don't have any idea, but what I know is that Cindy lays before the face of God and she says, God, use me today. Wherever Cindy's at, I promise you, Cindy's praying and asking God to reveal to her where she could reveal the love of God to another human being. I don't know, but what I know is she's a woman of prayer because the first time God spoke to her, she was praying while she was cleaning toilets in that bathroom over there, trying to figure out where God would send her. See, God will send you places. He'll ask you to do things. And at that time, it was to fly across to Thailand, right? That's odd. Cleaning a toilet, and God spoke to her about Thailand. God will do odd things in your life. Speak to you in odd moments. He'll be cleaning a toilet. I don't even know why she was cleaning the toilets at the church. I would assume there was a reason. I don't remember it. See, God will do great things in your life. But you've got to submit your will. To his will. Stand with me this morning. Every week, we get this opportunity to come to a table to be reminded that Christ stretched out himself on a cross and he said, I will give myself for you. It wasn't fair. In fact, in the garden, he even said to God, if if you, could take, if you could take this one, I'd, I'd be good. Remember, t- if this cup could pass. He didn't go skipping to the cross. He leaned into his father and said, but if your will is for me to go, then I'll go. Some of you may be sent this week to someone who disagrees with you. Some of you may be sent into an area where there's division, discord, frustration. You may be standing in front of a four-year-old who doesn't know why they feel the way they feel, but they can feel it because of the adults and the atmosphere that's happening in our world. 
You should be praying for your school administrators. You should be praying for those teachers because there is a war happening. There's dissension happening and those people are standing in rooms with kids and they don't know all of the things that are happening at home. They don't know what's going and we're too busy fighting for what I want. And let me tell you church, you need to be praying. Pray for the doctors. Pray for the nurses. Pray for your community leaders. Stop judging and pointing and criticizing. But get on your face and say, God, give them wisdom. Give them strength. Help them to be the light of who you are in them. Even if they don't know you, God, I pray that you pour a blessing out on every teacher and principal and superintendent. That, Father, the heartache of the last 18 months, the stress of the last 18 months, Father, would fall away. That, Father, they would know there was more for them than against them. Father, give them the strength and the fortitude to continue to lead when so many people are criticizing when so many people are screaming the negative. Father, let the church rise up and start speaking your word and be spirit-filled beings that pass out the love of God, the joy of God, the peace of God, the patience of God, that they would live as self-controlled beings, not moved by their feelings, but moved by the spirit of a living God. So Father, we come today to a table to remind our physical selves that we are children of the Most High God, set apart, filled with, consumed by something greater than ourselves. Father, help us to remember that on Tuesday and on Thursday evening when our kids are going crazy and schools are making decisions. Father, help us to remember that we are part of a living Hey, I hope the message truly inspired you today. If it did, do a couple things for me. Subscribe to our show and it'll just drop right into your feed and you can stay current with all that we're doing. The second thing is, is if you've been impacted by this ministry, you can click the link right there in front of you and you can become one of our givers and that'll help us to keep spreading the gospel and the good news around the world. Everyone needs to hear the good news right now, maybe more than any other time. So God bless and I'll see you next time.